0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. The dragon, the serpent, was more cunning than any of other creations God had, had brought forth. It was this serpent that came, this dragon that came to Eve in the garden. And he said, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman answered, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent, the dragon, The devil said to the woman, You will not, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit, and she ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves coverings. Now they hear the sound of God walking in the garden. but they hide themselves from God because they're afraid. They were afraid of God. Are you aware today that one of the most popular sites on the internet are the witchcraft sites With literally billions of hits. Teenagers, millennials, especially are attracted to these witchcraft sites. They want the wisdom of the serpent, of the dragon. And they practice with tarot cards and every other form of witchcraft. Witchcraft is sweeping America and the Western world as young people disconnect from all connections to the Christian life. Their parents went to Woodstock or were hippies and also disconnected from churches that were dead in their orthodoxy or dead in their entertainment and their social life, they found other avenues for social life. And the scriptures tell us that death comes from witchcraft, but right now the taste is very pleasant. In the mouth of many, many American young people, they see no power of God. They see no healing. They experience nothing of the Holy Spirit. For them, the Christian life is dead. Why is that so? It's very simple. Men and women have turned away and have not surrendered themselves to Jesus, but have instead made an intellectual pursuit, an emotional, sentimental pursuit of God, without giving themselves over utterly. There's a passage of Scripture. It's over here in the book of 1 Corinthians. I want to read it for you. This is 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit indwelling you, whom you have from God? You are not your own you were bought at a price. Therefore, you must glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He's saying both your body and your spirit belong to the Lord God of heaven. But if you have no experience of the indwelling Holy Spirit, it becomes dry Tasteless, boring, because you don't recognize that you were bought, that you are not your own, that you don't belong to yourself. And so we have taken the myth of Christmas and we've made Santa Claus magical. A whole aroma of witchcraft settles over America. The parties, the celebrations, the the food. It is all very attractive to a man or woman who has not surrendered to Jesus. And so America goes to great length to put up the Christmas lights to hold the celebrations, to give expensive gifts to one another. It's all a part of the pagan celebration of December 25th. It's not Christian. It's spray-painted with Christianity, but it's not Christian. It's pagan. But there is such an aura There is such a a spirit that overshadows the whole land that it's very difficult to disconnect from that Christmas tree and those ornaments. They become very sentimental. They become an anchor in the family life and the rituals of the family life. But it's not. Jesus. And if you disconnect from that and you don't recognize that you were bought at a price, what do you go into? Witchcraft? Hopelessness? Darkness? Depression? Fear? Anxiety? Now, Christmas is an emotional connector. It's an emotional standard. But I want to tell you today, it's not about Christmas. It's about Jesus Christ. And we need to come to a place in our hearts and in our lives where we recognize that we're not our own. Neither body nor spirit. We do not own them. We are owned. We are property, body, and spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like to pray as we begin to push deeper into this. Lord Jesus, we need the demonstrated power of your word, of your blood, and of your Holy Spirit. For Lord, the Christian gospel today has either morphed into a sentimental sloppiness, or it's morphed into a cold intellectual orthodoxy, neither of which represent who you are, Jesus. I'm asking today that those who listen to this broadcast would join together with me in determining and understanding that we are not our own body nor spirit, that we belong to you and we cannot choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and partake of its fruit and expect anything but death. For the wages of sin are death. Lord, please come. Please open our eyes. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you've been watching the news, you know that we are right on the edge of another great world war like World War II, except much more devastating. In the Baltic regions, the war is shaping very rapidly. Ezekiel 38 is about to take place. I would love to spend time looking at the book of Ezekiel, Zechariah, the book of Revelation, and talking about the coming catastrophic third world war and the coming of Jesus. but I am not going to do that because I fear it will simply turn into an intellectual understanding and an intellectual understanding will not save you. I'm interested in ground level decision-making. On your part and on my part about the ownership of Jesus Christ over our lives so that we're not deceived by the emotionalism of the modern church, of its false Christmas celebrations, of its cantatas, of its, of its plays, of its preaching. I just listened to a a new song by an artist that I've often used on this broadcast. A family that loves Jesus. But the piece of music, the newest piece they've made, caused me to weep before God. Because they took the position in this new piece of music that they've just written that Jesus paid it all at the cross and pardoned me for my sin and now I'm saved with not one word of repentance, not one word of becoming holy before God. There are so many lies being spread. It's obvious that people have not seriously read the scriptures. They don't understand. They don't understand what all of this means. When we look at this passage that I just shared with you, it's 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. He prefaces this statement of, You're not your own, you were bought with a price. He prefaces that with, in verse 9, Do you not know? that unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God. You must not be deceived. What is the deception? That deception is that you were made righteous by what Jesus did at the cross, and you have no cooperation needed with God to be made holy, that that when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees himself. And that's a despicable lie from the devil. So you read this, do you not know that unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? And you say to yourself, hey, no problem here. I am Jesus' righteousness. No, you're not. Righteousness cannot be passed from one person to another. That's impossible. You have to be made righteous. Righteous by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus, through what he did in the atonement at the cross. You must not be deceived. Neither fornicators, now I'm going to read this. It's a list of actual behaviors. I want you to understand. This behavior must cease or you will not be saved. Neither fornicators, that is people who are Sexually unclean. If you're living with somebody that you're not married to legally and spiritually, you are a fornicator. And you are hell-bound. That's what it's saying. Neither idolaters, anyone who puts anything ahead of Jesus, family, children, job, money, got a call this morning from a brother. He was telling me about how he had received a sum of money and said to himself, I don't need to pay any offering or tithe on this money. It's mine. And the Lord immediately shut down his workplace he became sick. I said to him, Look, you're playing with God, and he withdrew his Holy Spirit from you because you willingly lied to the Holy Spirit. That cost Ananias and Sapphira their life. It's by God's grace, it has not cost you your life. Do you understand? We live in a cause and effect world. And what you do and what you say, has a direct impact on what God will do in your life. And if you're lying to God, if you're claiming some false theological position that is nowhere taught in the scriptures, read First John. Read Romans, the sixth chapter. 1 Corinthians, sixth chapter. You must not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that is homosexuals, nor same-sex activity, nor thieves, nor the covetousness, nor drunkards, nor abusive persons, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God, And these things, some of you used to be. But you were washed, or you washed yourselves, if you take the actual tense of the Greek. You were made holy. Something God did in you, you were made holy. You were made righteous. The word righteous, dikasune, means innocent. You were made innocent in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Very specific concrete actions that he says will cause you to go to hell. So when we come to this story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, Well, let me read it for you. Matthew, the first chapter, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This was in the year before they came together sexually. She was bound to Joseph by a marriage covenant. She was considered to be legally his wife, but they did not come together until after that year. Now, she is found to be with child. I'm sure it broke Joseph's heart. He loved her, and now to find out that she's been disloyal to him, has committed adultery, he's heartbroken, and what can he do? In his love for her, he doesn't want to see her exposed to public shame. So he decides on his course of action. He's going to put her away quietly. Now, can you imagine how Mary felt? She was hoping to be married, to come together as one, to bear children for Joseph. But now, she doesn't know what he's going to do. I'm sure that she's terrified of facing him but she knows what the holy spirit has said to the angel gabriel she knows what god has said about this child that is now resting in her womb she knows it did not come by sin she has heard the old testament about a virgin bearing a child and that child being the messiah What should she do? Well, she does something that I understand perfectly. She ran. She went to the Judean hills, out of Galilee, out of Nazareth, to find Elizabeth. But let's finish this part. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. It does not say because he will save his people in their sins. Jesus never came to save us in our sin. That's the lie of the modern church. He came to save us from our sins. To deliver us from our sins. Now, we in the modern church have not experienced this. And many of you, even as you listen, you still struggle. The strong die out hard. If you have not listened to that message from yesterday, please go back and listen to it very carefully. There is a work here of dying out to self, recognizing that we are not our own. We were bought at a price by the blood of Jesus Christ on that cross at Calvary. This angel speaks to Joseph and says, Give this baby born of the Holy Spirit, give this baby the name Jesus, meaning the word means the Lord saves or the Lord delivers to safety. He saves from sin. And Mary runs. She runs to Elizabeth, this is an astonishing story. You remember Luke, the first chapter, verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And now she's faced with, what do I do? Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women! Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, of my God, should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. John the Baptist, as a baby, leaps in his mother's womb when he hears the voice of Mary. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. This story is so filled with the miraculous working of God when you read the story of the church in Acts, it is filled with the miraculous work of God. And today we don't have the miraculous work of God working in America. Instead, we have all of the wickedness and the false doctrine and the, and the myth of Christmas. And there has to be a change. And that change has to begin in me and in you. It demands radical action on our part to believe that we are not our own. Eve, in that story of the garden, believed the lie that she was her own and that she could decide for herself what she wanted. But as soon as she took that action, she found herself dressed in fig leaves. And the church today is dressed in America, in fig leaves. And always we have to come up with a new program. We have to come up with a new music piece. We have to come up with a new concert. We have to come up with some new strategies to win the lost. The American church is in full-blown apostasy. Believing false doctrines and lies of demons. And we are dressed in fig leaves. And if that's going to change, it has to start changing with you and with me. And it requires that we die out to ourselves. And receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In mighty power. Many of you still think you can deliver yourselves. You think you can pay the penalty for your sin. You cannot. The penalty is death. The wages of sin are death. Not. You'll find nowhere in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, that it says you must pay the price for your sin. Jesus either paid the price for my sin or he did not. Remember, my late wife, Jan, and I, many years ago, had borrowed on our credit cards until we were $70,000 in debt. And we had no church. We had no income. We tried to get jobs and at every point the Lord blocked us. There was incredible demonic activity going on around us, attacks of the physical attacks of the enemy, loud pounding on our doors and windows, sounds like rocks being thrown at the house, go out and walk and you hear footsteps walking behind you. You hear the growls of the demons. He was trying to destroy us. We finally took all of the bills from all of those credit card companies and we laid them out before the Lord and we repented for going in debt. And we confessed that we had no way to pay that debt. We also confessed that we would not declare bankruptcy over that debt because that would be stealing and would further alienate us from the Holy Spirit. And so we laid those bills out before the Lord. We confessed our sin. And we prayed through until he gave us the victory and said he would pay those bills. Now every month from that point forward, he also instructed us to call each debtor and to make arrangements to pay $50 a month on each of those credit card bills, and he said he would send the money to us every month. Suddenly, we received a check in the mail for $300 from a man that I'd known some years before. We did not ask him. He and his wife said the Holy Spirit told them to send that $300. With that money, we began to pay back credit cards. And then continually we received until that bill was totally paid off. Every month that man and wife sent us $300. Other people did similar things and said the Lord had instructed them, now look, I have no radio. I have no church. I'm simply spending my time in prayer, homeless, living with a a non-Christian family up in Baltimore, laying on my face before Almighty God with no house, no car, walking to the grocery store to buy enough groceries for the couple we were living with and ourselves. If the Lord did not rescue us, we would not be rescued. And so as we read the word, the scriptures, as we prayed, as we waited upon God, by the year 2000, he had paid that entire debt. He paid it. I did not. I did not work long hours. He told me my work was to read the scriptures and to search after him, and he would pay the bills. And he carried me. For five years. Paying all of the bills. As I prayed and waited on the Lord. Now please understand what I'm saying to you. There is a God in heaven who knows and understands. There is a God in heaven who moves majestically in our behalf to deliver us from whatever we're facing. There is no room for fear or depression. There is no room for anger or bitterness. There is no room for adultery or fornication. There is no room for any sin before Almighty God. And it means we have to come to terms, as Mary did, that God can do whatever he wants to do with us, for we belong to him. You see, if we begin to let this knowledge sink into our hearts, that we are not responsible for our lives unless we are separated from God. But when we are with the Lord Jesus, he will instruct us regarding the job we're to have or not to have. He will direct our steps the Lord God of heaven will intervene in majestic power. And I'm standing by faith that he will come now in the fullness of his presence and fill me and you with the Holy Spirit baptism of Pentecost to give us the power to do the work of the gospel. Many of you, including me, lack the fullness of the Holy Spirit to do the assignment of God to prepare the way for the Lord. Now, Mary is also filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen to what she says. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Does your soul glorify the Lord? Does your spirit today rejoice in the Lord God of heaven? because you recognize that he owns you, body and soul. Spirit is owned by God. You are not your own. Verse 48, this is Luke one forty-eight. for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He will look upon you and see whether you are filled with pride and a can-do spirit, or whether you're willing to wait upon the Lord and be owned by him. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And he has done great things for you. He died on Calvary's tree for you. He paid the price to own you, body and spirit. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Are you proud today in your inmost thoughts? This has been the greatest trial of my life, for I have been proud in my inmost self. and Because of that, he has often scattered my life. I was much in prayer this morning for the National Prayer Chapel, taking each person who comes in my hands and lifting them before the throne of God and asking that he not scatter the National Prayer Chapel with sickness with financial loss asking that all pride in my inmost thoughts could be utterly removed once and for all because I acknowledge that I am not my own this body is not my body I'm to care for it, I'm to feed it carefully, I'm to fast, I'm to pray, I'm to use my body in the service of the Lord. I could not come and sit here before you and do this broadcast if I were not in the flesh, if I were not here in the body. The Lord has given me this body to come before you and for my spirit to speak the words of glory. And so that's why I'm doing this. I've asked that the Lord would not scatter those who listen to this broadcast, but instead would humble our hearts before him. That none of us would be proud in our inmost thoughts. I received a text message from someone. And the text message very clearly told me that they are proud in their inmost thoughts and that the Holy Spirit has not yet taken charge of what he owns. My prayer for that person was, Lord, you own that house. Would you now come and take ownership of it by taking it over and filling that man with your Holy Spirit Will you break this inner pride of his heart, his intellectualism, his desperate concern to be right? Would you break that? Would you humble his heart? Would you not scatter him? Would you not scatter he and his wife? Would you put your arms around them and would you lift them up? Would you Would you fill them with yourself, Holy Spirit of the living God, Jesus, would you claim them? So with tears, this is what I've been praying this morning as I've been in the presence of Almighty God. I've been praying this for you. My heart is greatly troubled by the lack of understanding that we are not our own. That most of us have, like Eve, said, oh, this looks good. I think I'll take that. Oh, and that looks good to eat. I think I'll eat that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I deserve that. I'm somebody. I understand the scriptures. I'm right. You better listen to me. Pride in the inmost thoughts of our heart. Hidden from anyone else, but very much there. Do you recognize what I'm talking about with your soul? One of our listeners sent a text, a message on our on our board saying I want to die out. I prayed for that person, the gift of dying out. You may not be able to accomplish this by yourself. You may need to be with other brothers and sisters who are in the process of dying out also. I need brothers and sisters to pray for me Sunday at the prayer chapel we had a wonderful time of prayer standing in a circle around couples, people praying God's breaking through in their life to fill them with the Holy Spirit. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. Are you ready for Jesus to lift you up to that place of ministry to which he has assigned you? He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. I want to thank some of you who have been sending, in addition to your donations, your offerings your tithes for Pilgrim's Progress. Some of you have added an additional amount and you've marked it for the poor. I spent yesterday morning driving to the poor to give them those gifts that you have made. People hungry, one couple elderly, They've been living out of a rickety old van, even in the cold. Recently, they were given a week over at a Motel 6. But they were hungry. They had no money for food. And the Holy Spirit said, take them money for food. I couldn't do that without the faithfulness of those of you who listen, for I have no money of my own. It comes from the Holy Spirit as he moves in people's hearts. So thank you, Denise, especially. Thank you. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. She stayed until Elizabeth was about ready to give birth to John. And then she knew she had to go home and face the music. So she went home. And the angel had instructed Joseph you take her and you make her your wife. I would love to have seen. That scene where they came together, Mary in absolute humility and brokenness, saying, this is what the Lord has said to me, Joseph. And Joseph saying, yes, the angel of the Lord came to me too, and he told me to take you as my wife. I'm sure there were tears between them and warm embraces and, and passionate kissing. As they came together looking forward to the birth of the Christ child. Do you understand? These stories are not without deep emotion. These were people like we are, except they made the decision they would belong to the Lord God of heaven, they would not own themselves. Do you understand? the Holy Spirit will not come and indwell you as long as you think you own yourself and your spirit is independent and separate from him. And so Jesus was born. I'll talk about that at a later time in the next week. It is a wonderful story of God's grace and his mercy for you and for me. Our Savior came. He had to come of a virgin because he could not allow Joseph to place his seed in Mary and so they had no sexual intercourse until after Jesus was born. Jesus to be perfect, made perfect by the Holy Spirit, combining with Mary. Jesus would not have the nature of a fallen man. He would have the nature of Adam before he fell. He could not be tempted to sin because he was God. But he had to live in the sorrow and brokenness of this world, and he had to experience the trials and the sufferings of every human person. Finally, going to that cross and dying for you and for me. He was born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. What do you need to go face? What very painful and difficult thing do you have to face today? Know that if you do not own yourself and you do not own your spirit, you can trust in God. For Romans eight twenty six says, all things work together for those who love the Lord. Jesus will still be your Savior today. He is my Savior. I pray he is your Savior. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing from many of you as this month is rapidly ending. We're halfway through and we're not halfway through in raising the necessary offerings and tithes to pay for this radio broadcast for this month. Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You know, I've struggled with this issue of inviting you to give tithes and offerings, but I want to tell you, the giving of tithes and offerings is a very important part of being one with Jesus Christ. It is a part of worship. As you give your tithe or you give your offering, if this is where you're primarily ministered to, If you give those tithes and offerings, you are saying, I surrender to you, Jesus. I belong to you. So thank you for those of you who give both tithes and offerings. I know the radio broadcast will be covered. I trust Jesus to move in your hearts. I'm more concerned about your worship of the Lord than I am the cost. I know he'll cover it. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. You're also welcome to come and worship with us if you need to die out to self, if you need to come into a new understanding that you're not your own, you were bought with a price to understand that your spirit and your body belong to Jesus, then come and worship with us. Go to our webpage. It'll tell you what the directions are, what the address is, or you can call me at 703-489-1785. God bless you, my brother my sister. I love you. I look forward to meeting you personally soon in the name of Jesus. I'll talk to you soon.